Welcome to Real Men Feel. I'm your host, author, coach, and healer, Andy Grant. Real Men Feel is here to remind men that they are human beings and have the right, the need, and the desire to express all of their emotions. You can learn more about how I do that at theandygrant.com. My guest today is Charles Matthews. Charles is a coach, facilitator, author, and leadership consultant who focuses on healthy masculinity. He finds that an expressive, cooperative masculinity is vitally important to leadership and happiness. We discuss why Charles got into this work and the man box training and mixed messages we still get about men and emotions. Charles shares the difference between a safe space and a powerful space, the need for all of us to move beyond a dominance culture, and the power of simply saying, okay, let's do it. Hello, Charles, and welcome to Real Men Feel. Andy, I'm so I'm so happy to be here. I can't I can't wait to talk about feelings. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this. And so, so Charles, you're a, a mankind project facilitator, a men's group mm-hmm. coach. You are a consultant for multiple men's empowerment leadership programs, study groups, and you co-host the Re- the Remaking Manhood podcast, which focuses on healthy masculinity. Yep. So my first question is, why? Why? Oh man, I didn't expect that question. Why didn't I expect that question? You know, it's, it's, I think it's for the same reason. I listened to a few of your episodes. I think it's probably for the same reasons that you're doing this work so that I get to be authentically me. Um, you, you mentioned to a guest in a previous podcast, like, I think you said, like, you want to have more than one inch, right? It's like, I want to have, I want to have for me just more space to be full and authentic. I want to be uh, in a world where, all of me is welcome. And I want to create a world where everybody has plenty of space. And, and I'm not actually interested in creating safe spaces anymore. I'm interested in creating powerful spaces. And that's, and we have to create a little safety around that so that people can express and expand so that men can cry, so that women can rage, uh, so that uh, little boys can, can flounce about, little girls can swing foam swords, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I can, I want to be able to say, I really love my cats, right? That should be okay. Right. I love my little kitten. Um, and, and, you know, on a, in a bigger, broader way, I think it's really existential, uh, that men in particular reestablish their relationship to their full selves and get out of this dominance culture that we learn at a very young age, get out of this power over win, lose, you know, oppression, repression, crap, uh, because if we don't, we're not going to be able to create a sustainable culture. And when we do, you know, the studies are really clear when there's inclusion and, and diversity and creativity in the workplace and in the home, all of the outcomes that we want are five and six and eight times better. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's have five and six and eight times better. Let's do that. That yeah. sounds fun, right? Cool. I want to back up a little bit and so yeah. something you something you mentioned something clarified it which I really embrace the the notion of a safe space. There's lots of safe space, safe space, and you want to make a powerful space. Yeah, and yeah, I, which sounds so much better. And so, I, I, from my point of view, a safe space it doesn't mean nothing's going to hurt you. It's not some harmless, you know, it's not your comfort zone, but it's it's a place that it's okay to be uncomfortable. But, but maybe okay, kind of yeah, the, okay, too many yeah, people carrying yeah. forward, like a safe place, a safe space should be something that never dares possibly offend anybody. Like that right. just keeps everybody stuck, I think. 
Right. Right. And, you know, the spaces that I've been privileged to be in, whether it's a boys mentoring circle, a men's circle, a group coaching circle, it's when people get all the way real or when I have the opportunity to get all the way real. That's when I discover things about myself. That's when I see clients and participants discover things. You know, so many of us think with our mouths open, right? We're like, you know, insights come to us as we're saying them. Um, Power comes to us as we are exercising it. And to create spaces, you know, non-judgmental spaces where there's room for mistakes, room for uh, ambiguity, room for curiosity, and, and room for that creativity, those are powerful spaces. And, you know, a safe space where we're all dancing on eggshells, you know, that's kind of what we used to create back in the eighties and nineties when I was doing team building programs and stuff like that. There was this sort of, um, culture of being really careful, which I think was necessary. I don't, I'm not, I I'm, I'm not anti-cancel culture. I'm not anti, you know, me too. I think, I think there was a necessary stage of evolution where we needed to learn to be careful. And now I want to encourage men in particular who are so worried now about messing up. And if they're not worried about messing up, then I wonder what's wrong with them. Um, Men have this opportunity now to get together with other men in particular. I think that's the place on this podcast, in their own men's groups, reading groups, whatever it is, to make some mistakes with one another Mm. as we figure out a way to create those inclusive, powerful spaces at work, at home, at church, you know, wherever it is. Um, but we got to, we got to talk about it and we got to find and create places where we're not necessarily afraid to talk about it, but where we're also feeling safe enough to be called out mm. and to respond with courage and bravery and vulnerability when we do get called out. That was a lot in there. Cool. No, it was great. It was beautiful. Do, do, do with that what you will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shall make it the law of the land. That's what I shall do. Yeah, there we go. That's <laughs> what I want to hear. Yeah. So, so, so you, like I have learned that emotions really are superpowers even for men yeah what were you like what was your life like before discovering that yeah um i i got a bunch of mixed messages because my my family of origin was sort of pretty good about creating powerful spaces for me and my sister and encouraged emotional expression but you know, my, my, well, my dad would do things like get really angry and frustrated with me and spank me and then come and cry and apologize. So that's a little bit of a mixed message. Um, and then of course my peer group, which is such an important formation for, for boys and men, you know, my peer group was just like every other boys peer group. And I learned to tamp down my emotional expression and my emotional range so that I could fit in with the guys that I wanted to fit in with. And it's still, I'm still unlearning that. Like I'm, and I, and I see other people unlearning it as well. You know, when I, when I check in as, as I do in men's groups and and in the coaching that I do, you know, we do a check-in, we do, Hey, my name's Charles and I'm feeling whatever it is at the moment. And I've learned to even exaggerate the physical component of that emotion to say, I'm feeling joy and to raise my arms and to let my voice carry that because so many uh, young men in particular that I work with, like, yeah, I'm feeling really happy right now. Mm. And you're like, have you told your face that? Have you told your body what you're feeling right now? So I think we have a ways to go in finding out how to express anger cleanly without blaming other people. 
to express grief, knowing that it's going to end and not worry that we're never going to get out of that hole. Um, to ask for help when we are stuck in that hole and to express joy and connection and love and excitement in a way that inspires people and, and actually creates more energy, creates, helps create that powerful space. And I love the, what you say about the mixed messages, because this, this is something I, I, I haven't, I don't consciously think about it much in my life, but so my, my dad was an alcoholic and uh, suffered from bipolar disorder and got lots and lots of electroshock therapy as a young man. Wow. And he tell I don't recall this. He tells me one of the first experiences of being alive was me as a toddler in a waiting room, hearing him scream, getting electroshock therapy. And my dad was emotional and would be teary, but I saw those emotions get punished. Um, and that's I'm sure what, what part of what shut me down. Like, well, I, I, it's all right to cry, but he gets cries and goes to the hospital, gets locked up. So crying, there's something really wrong with this then. That, that's yeah. something I grew up innately with. Um, yeah. And it's taken a lot of work to unpack that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, what a history. And, and you know, so many of us, so many of us, do grow up with men who only show emotion when they're inebriated mm. or when they've lost control of their emotions and they're just in rage. Um, and emotions, male emotions are scary. And one of the messages that people believe that feminism is telling men is that we, that women want men to be less uh, scary and less present for their emotions. And that's, that's not what I hear from exactly what I hear from feminists at all. They want us to stop hurting women for sure. But women want, feminists want for men that full range of emotional expression. They just want it to be safe enough, right? They just want it to not cause, you know, chaos or, or physical harm. But yeah, so many of us grew up with the male expressions of, of emotion just being an explosion rather than an expression. And it's something that I've learned to do the more cleanly, I can, the more kind of the more thoughtfully and mindfully I can express my emotions, the less burdensome they are for myself and for others. So an, an example from, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I think I was on a, on a call with the board of directors for this nonprofit that I was running as executive director. And, or I think it was just an email that I got from one of the board members. And I just, it triggered me. I don't even remember what it was, but it just triggered me. My heart started racing. It totally got into to fight or flight. And I kind of had to get up out of my chair. And I went down to the other end of the house where my lovely wife was just folding laundry in the laundry room, having a, having a wonderful, quiet, warm time next to the dryer, right? But by the time I got down the hall, I managed to just say, oh, I'm so angry right now. And she was like, okay. And, and that was, that was it, right? That was, that was it. I didn't have to like trap her in the laundry room. Didn't have to make her feel scared. I was able to just put words, a really simple word to what I was feeling. God, I'm so angry right now. And when I can do that, and when I see other people do that in the coaching that I do, when they, when men get better at putting words to their emotions, really simple words, or uh, that the grip on that emotion is no longer so tight mm. and it's no longer. So it's not, it's not like a ball of fire anymore. It's just like, Oh yeah, here's this thing. Right. I'm feeling really sad right now. Yeah. I'm feeling concerned right now. I'm feeling joyful. Uh, I like Boyson Hodgson who's um, helps co-facilitate one of the groups we do on clubhouse. He, he talks about I'm um, having 
I'm having some anger right now. And I like that even better. Like, it's just this thing that's happening right now. So I think we kind of privilege our emotions a little bit too much. Like emotions just pass through. They should just pass through, right? If they don't pass through again, that's when we need to kind of get some help. But can we just have it for a moment? Oh, I'm having some sadness. I'm having some grief. I'm having some excitement. Yeah, yeah. This is what I've found in my life. That seems like it should be common sense, but as a man, oh, it's a big realization. And clients I work with too, when when we're in the state, we're in the space that we can allow any emotion to show up and let it be felt, not judge it, not yeah. decide that's not the right time, that's not a man's emotion, all that nonsense. Right. Every right. feeling flows through me easier. It, it lasts yeah. much shorter than I imagine it will. Than my fear would make it. And right. th- that's really living in the moment, feeling the emotion right. that of everything in front of you, not feeling the emotion of a wound from 25 years ago, right? right. Not not right. wanting to kill the guy that cut me off in traffic because my big brother beat me up in literally, you know, like it's just all these right. disconnected things are running so many of our, our, mo- our emotional lives um, yeah. unconsciously yeah. Uh, via the wounds, via the shadow. So yeah, I, I love everything that, that you're sharing and stating. And, and, and one of the things I want to say about that too is that when 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 leaders in particular, and, and I mean like you're a leader in your house, you're a leader in your church, you're a leader as a parent, you know, you're a leader in your business, whatever it is, when when leaders don't have a way to express emotions cleanly and clearly, all of the rest of the people who work for them are on eggshells because we all know what each other, we all know that somebody's feeling something, even if we don't know what it is. And when we make people guess, then we're causing them to be in stress. We're raising their cortisol levels. We're making them feel unsafe, right? And we're triggering their childhood issues of when their father raged or didn't rage or their mother was distant or too involved or whatever it is, you know, where they're making up all kinds of stories in their head. But when we as leaders can say, you know, either, you know what, uh, uh, I had a, a fight with my kid uh, last night and it's still bothering me, but we're going to take care of it. You know, we're in counseling. We have a way to deal with this. And I just wanted to say that because I just wanted, you know, I'm a little bit distracted today, but now that I've said it, let's let's get this meeting going and let's, let's do some great work today. Um, otherwise, everybody's just like, what's going on with Charles? Yeah. Like, what's going on? I don't. I don't want to go into that meeting. That's not a, that's not a safe place. That's not a powerful place. So I think so, the more so, leaders can learn to just bring their emotions into work. That's great. Yeah. So that's how, how healthy manhood can impact leadership because a, a common complaint, uh, you know, cliche that I'll hear men still talk about is like, Oh, women expect me to read their minds. I'm like, right. well, men are doing the same thing. If we have all these masks and act like this and don't share what we're feeling, we're, we're challenging the rest of the world to read our emotional minds and mental minds. Right. Right. And women, women or whoever, you know, do the do the little emotional dance where it may, we think that we're, we're supposed to read their minds because they don't know if it's safe and powerful to be around us. Mm. So they're they're not feeling ready to express either. So, yeah, yeah there's they, all they, of this kind of dancing can, going around. There can be fear of our reaction to their expression. Yeah, 100 percent. 100%. 100%. Yeah, it's something that my wife and I work on all the time. You know, the the breakthrough in our dating life. We were we lived about an hour apart when we first got together, and I was so in love and so excited, and this was just lighting me up. And this happened, you know, relatively late in life, in in my forties, forties for both of us. But at a certain point, after about two months in, I stopped calling her right back. I stopped responding right away to her texts, and I'm like, "What is going on? Why am I?" And fortunately, I had a group of men, and I could kind of workshop, you know, what's going on, Charles. I'm like, I'm really scared. 
I'm feeling this vulnerability come up. I'm feeling this. I want this. I want this. And that frightened me. And so on the next phone call, I was able to just say, I'm scared to Kelly. And Kelly, bless her, didn't make up anything about it. Didn't She didn't retreat into her wounded place about when her father rejected her, whatever. She just said, okay. And then all of a sudden, it didn't matter anymore. It didn't matter that I was scared. Like that was just, a, it was a, it's natural to be scared at the beginning of a relationship. Why would I pretend not to be scared when I care so much about what's happening? So yeah, I think, you know, when we can be clean and clear with one another, it creates connection right. and out of connection and out of understanding comes power. And that's one of the things that, you know, you mentioned that emotions are a superpower. Oh my God. When we can understand one another and connect to those, you know, powerful limbic grounded, rooted, existential feelings, then we can really do something. Yeah. Yeah. There, there aren't some emotions that are from men and some are from women. There are, no. there are emotions that humans have and, and we have them for a reason. Like they do serve a purpose. And yeah, when, when I stopped judging my emotions or thinking everything, I, I really used to think that, that every tear meant I was depressed and headed for suicide attempt. I, I did not experience tears of joy. I did not experiencing oh. like beauty until, until I was yeah easily in my mid thirties. I'm like, oh my God, this is a real thing. It's not just a cliche. Wow. Right. Like right. It, it, it was just so was that because you, Was that because you were suppressing your sadness and anger and rage? Yeah. So the, I, the, I, beauty, the beauty and joy didn't show up for you? Yeah. I, my worldview was life sucks, then you die. I was yeah. so sure of it. Like I, mm -hmm. I wanted to be right. I didn't think I had depression occasionally. I thought I was depression. Um, successful, I don't hate that word. Death by suicide ran in my family. There, there was a great period of time that I thought that's my destiny. You know, the times I feel good, yeah. that's the lie. That the truth was this pit of uh, despair. That's uh, the truth. Sure, you temporarily made me laugh. Ha ha ha, good job life. But that was the lie. You know, that's where I lived. Um, and it was a horrible place to live. Oh you know? yeah. It sounds terrible. I recently told my wife that, it, you know, now looking back, it's like, I can pretty confidently say that the, the best thing I ever did in my life was attempt to end it because it forced me to wake up. It forced me to realize it was something better. It's, I don't recommend it. It's a horribly dangerous no. path. And I was stupid. Right. It didn't take me one attempt. It took me multiple attempts before I thought, Oh, maybe this isn't working for me. Right. I was I was smart in school. I was dumb in life and in attempts to end my life. But again, looking back, like, boy, that's what forced me to grow and to change and to, to open up and to express my pain and not think there was something wrong with me. Because, yeah. again, it, yeah. and it, it, growing up it was, oh, Angie's crying and emotional. Great. Here's this pill. Oh, well, based on your dad's history, you must just be bipolar. No one ever said no one ever talked to me. No one said, why? Why are you upset? What, you know, what, what has happened, you know? And so, and so I was taught that that didn't matter. I was nothing but brain chemistry. And so your, uh, so your emotions, your status didn't, didn't matter to the medical establishment, didn't matter yeah. to the people around you. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, you know, we're in, we're in right now we're in anti-bullying month. October is anti-bullying month, bullying awareness month. Next month is mental health awareness month, November. Right. So, uh, you know, we're going to do the Movember thing and shave our mustaches or grow our mustaches or whatever, just to increase some awareness. And hopefully in the medical profession and the psychiatric profession, there's some increased awareness around the, the depth and complexity, especially yeah. of male emotions. Yeah. When I discovered, when I realized I was not just this meat suit with faulty chemicals, that's when my life took off for the better. I, you know, I, yeah. I embraced uh, spirituality and growth and like, oh, there's more than just me. 
that that was yeah. that was so liberating and gave me connection and and purpose and meaning. And you know, there, there, there's something you mentioned. I think it was in writing something I read about you and and what you wanted to what could talk about. You talked about a journey from your own healthy stoic manhood into something better. And I often yeah. speak about we men today have this distorted view of stoicism. Because there's like, oh, it's a fine philosophy. It's it's being yeah. it's mastering your emotions. But so many guys think mastering means them denying and cutting them off, and that they don't exist. Right. So, right. My, my, right. you can you tell me a bit more about unhealthy stoicism and and yeah. how we've distorted it, perhaps? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think a lot of people sort of misread Marcus Aurelius and 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 the Greek Stoics and imagine that what stoicism is about is is not having emotions or not expressing emotions. And really, I mean. If you if you pay any attention to Marcus Aurelius, he's really just talking about mindfulness. It's like notice it and let it go by. It's not don't have it. It's like notice it and let it go by. But yeah, no, I you know I I picked up all of the all of the rules for the for Manbox right for the Manbox culture that we talk about. I picked up all of the rules from from the peer group and from from television. Although we could spend how many episodes can we do this? Can we talk about Ted Lasso and how that's changing changing the Manbox? But anyway, um, and. You know, I didn't learn until my 40s to be able to say to a woman like Kelly, my wife, I'm scared. Like if I hadn't been able to tell her that, I would have not, I would not be married, right? If I hadn't been able to say, I'm scared. So I had a, you know, I had a midlife crisis. It wasn't as severe as yours, but I had a midlife crisis where lost my job, lost my relationship, lost all of the things that I thought were me you know, my, my sword and shield, I called it my ability to teach my ability to connect all of that got taken away from me. I just would cry every time I had a moment alone. I had no idea what was going on. And I, I was fortunate enough to, to know to seek therapy. And I went into the yellow pages. You remember the yellow pages and found a therapist who specialized in men's issues. And in that, in that safe, powerful space, I rediscovered how to feel and I rediscovered all of these parts of myself that had these old feelings that needed to be recognized, validated, expressed, but didn't need to be necessarily 100% believed, right? There's part of part of the wounding is a, a feeling or a story that doesn't really apply anymore, right? Like, I got labeled all kinds of things by my parents by, you know, I was the target of bullies as a child, but I don't have to continue to believe the stories that I made up about that. Right. I don't have to have feelings about that anymore. So, you know, now my feelings are about what's happening right now. You know, I'm feeling really excited to be on zoom with you right now. This is really, and I'm feeling really hopeful that, you know, the conversation that you and I are having is going to create a difference for other, other men and other women. So that's what I'm feeling right now. So the, the path from stoicism is sort of like believing that my, that those feelings are super important and really powerful and need to kind of be compressed and taken care of and changed and hidden because they won't be accepted to understanding that feelings can just flow through. And fortunately, you know, again, my wife is just like, oh, there you go again, Charles. And she's used to kind of the roller coaster of being in the house of like, there, Charles is having a feeling right now. Don't yeah. get, don't hook up to that train because it's, it's not really a train. It's a mayfly. So don't, don't, you know, don't lean on that. Yeah. So, yeah. and, you know, part of what, and then again, because feelings become an entry point into connection with one another in the moment feelings, if you say, God, I'm, I'm feeling really uh, worried right now. Like, wow, Andy, you're feeling, you're feeling concerned. I don't have to, to hook up to that. Like it's, 
again, that train car, I can just be present for what you're feeling, not make up a whole story about what that means about me and our relationship. And now I'm just with you in a mindful way. And bosses can do that with their employees. You know, so many bosses are worried that if people bring emotions into work, that it's going to be these powerful, depressive, angry, you know, dark emotions. And even if they are, if we can, as, as leaders, just go, wow, it sounds like you're having a hard time. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Trust yeah. each other to take care of those feelings. And if it keeps coming back, then it's like, okay, well, let's get HR involved. Let's get, you know, mental health help involved, whatever. Right. You know, we, we don't want to be alone when we have recurring, recurring feelings, but we can be there for one another and, and make it pass easily. Yeah. And I, love I don't it, know if I'm it, making any. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm really curious what the to feedback me. is going to be about this episode. Okay, good. You are to good. me because again, something I discovered long ago was that well, for, I was afraid of anybody knowing my truth. Yeah, I was afraid if anybody knew how much dark there was in me, they, they would run. But the the secret and how to hold and people often ask me how do I deal with someone that that's depressed or suicidal? I'm like, just be there. Right. You don't you don't have to say, often don't just say anything. Just be there. Just don't run away. Just nod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. and, and men, we have the propensity where, you know, we're going to fix it. Like, no, just right. sit there with it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to yeah. fix my feelings. Just let them pass nope. and nope. stay there. Hold space, be present. Don't turn your back on me. Um, all of that, that, that can be all that it needs. Yeah. And again, in, in, in a boardroom, in, in a one-on-one, in a job review and all those places where leadership shows up, instead of being afraid of that, just, it, it really comes down to being a present mirror. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Have you heard the acronym FRAP? F-R-A-P? No. Stands for fix, fix, rescue, advise, and project. This is what we, this is what we shouldn't do for one another. Yeah. And it's really hard to let go of, especially for those of us who've been kind of trained by this man box culture that we always have to be active, that being uh, receptive is some sort of weakness, right? That's kind of the training that we get. It's passive. But when we try and fix each other or rescue one another, like, I'll take care of that or let me help you or whatever, uh, advise, you know, this is what you should do. Project, oh, I remember when this happened to me or, you know, whatever. When we put ourselves into the mix, we're no longer respecting the other person and their process and their place. And if we can just, like my wife did for me when I told her I was afraid, she didn't do any of that. She just said, okay. And she could have, there's so many ways she could have taken that, right? She could have tried to fix me, baby me, comfort me, tell me I was wrong, tell me I was ridiculous for being afraid, could have gone into her wounding. Like I said, she just said, okay. Mm -hmm. And my heart just opened. It fell out of my chest, Andy. Like, oh my God, I can be exactly who I am unconditionally in front of this woman. And she's just going to hold space for me. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it, was seven, it was seven or eight years ago. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh God, that was so great. We're so used to so like, great. okay, being, how you doing? Yeah, okay. Okay is this thrown right. out, but, but okay can be so powerful. Like you're fine. That's okay. Right. What are you feeling? Right. That's okay. Right. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. We'll yeah. get through it. Yeah. Whatever it is. Awesome. Awesome. You know, you mentioned so dominant f- Don't culture. frap. Don't frap. Yeah. Don't no, frap. I'm, so I'm glad I don't know it because I'm supposed to avoid it. So good. Don't even know it. Great. There we go. <laughs> right. Right. You, you've mentioned dominance culture a number of times. And when we first spoke, when yeah. I look out at so much of, there's still so much mm, training of men that it's it's alphas and betas, and <laughs> alphas are the are the leaders, and at what show according to what I can see online, what makes you an alpha man is calling other people betas. That's the only trait I yeah. can find. So yeah. is is that part of the dominance culture, or, or is it right. something else entirely? Right. No, it is, and 
so the the Marshall Rosenberg who invented uh, nonviolent communication talked about the definition of the good life in don, in in greater culture. The definition of the good life is to find something wrong and smash it. And and so he was trying to propose a, an alternative to that. And you know that's what we get taught. And Judy Chu, who's a researcher at I can't remember if it's Stanford or Berkeley, talks to four and five year old boys who very early on know that they can either join the popular mean boys and be safe and have belonging and then start putting down the girls and the little boy, the little weaker boys, or they can be authentic and true to themselves and stay, have their softness, have their connection to girls, have their play, have whatever. And they make that choice to join the mean boys because that's where the safety, the safety and belonging is. And so that's what we spend the rest of our life doing is sort of, Climbing this ladder, trying to get one rung up, while at the same time, everybody above us is stepping on our shoulders and our fingers and our head to try and get another rung up. And we believe that there's some sort of, there's no top, right? There's no, there's no top to that. There's just striving. So we, we put down women, we put down children, we ignore our connection to the, to the earth. Uh, we, we eschew our own femininity. We, we push out anything that would be uh, homosexual or, or gender fluid away from ourselves. All of those are things that need to be crushed, as Marshall Rosenberg says. And we put them on other people. And then we crush those people so that we know that we're, we've got a little bit of dominance. And it's, it's just awful, but that's what's on offer in dominance culture. Yeah. That's what keeps everything flowing. And what men, what I found out and what I'm trying to work with other men, and I know you are too, it's just like, hey man, just step off the ladder. There's a whole other existence. It's, I'm not going to train you to be better on the ladder. No, that's ridiculous. There's all of this power over here off of the ladder, the power of collaboration, the power of creativity, the power of vulnerability, authenticity, inclusion. There's so much power that's, and it's just, no, there's, no, it's not, that power is not on the ladder at all. Yeah. Cool. I love that. I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to start selling, telling people just get off the ladder. But, get off uh, the ladder. Yeah. yeah. Have to be careful with middle-aged guys. Cause we think we're going to, we can kind of take a fall and we'll oh, be okay. Jump. It's yeah. no, we're not Yeah, No, we're not. Okay. We got to step cool. gently down. Yeah. And a, a lot of guys, I mean, they'll say, but it's biology. We're wired this way. Right, and I'm like, right. yeah, if, if you were just, again, if you were just a meat suit and just chemicals, then your argument is weight, but again, we have consciousness, we have awareness, we have a spiritual sense, we have connection, we have mirror neurons, like we're, we're energy, yeah. all these different things. We're, we're not just our, our DNA from millennia ago is still driving the show. No, testosterone is not a dominance chemical. That's, that's, that's the main problem with that biological explanation. Testosterone is not a dominance chemical. It is a fierceness chemical, but we can be fierce together and we mm -hmm. can be fierce authentically and we can be fierce in community we don't we, the, the, testosterone does not say you have to step on the head and fingers of everybody below you that's not what it says at all so the the just so stories that incels and men's rights activists and all of these anti-feminist men saying their their understanding of biology is completely corrupt they don't the 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 bell curves of how much testosterone everybody has you know the the bell curves of men and women overlap way more than than they think it's it's just not a good argument but that's uh that's a just so story that's easy to tell and doesn't require a lot of thinking and this what i'm and I know what you're working with men on requires a little bit more receptivity and a little bit more thinking a little bit like, okay, we'll have to unlearn 
a lot of stuff. Okay. All right. Am I up for that? And we were talking, you know, uh, we're going to get called out. We're going to get called out by women. We're going to get called out by, by LGBTQI people. We're going to get called out by people of color. And as men with a little bit more privilege, we got to be ready to go. Okay. In the same way that my wife said, okay, we got to be ready to go. Huh? Okay. Give me a sec with that. (laughs) Yeah, fun to, instead, instead of just coming back and be like, oh, no, you're wrong. That's not right. Not all men, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, there, there seems to be some, and won't even say some men, just some people, for things to be equal, it's seen as, oh, I'll, I'll lose something. Like, right. we right. we can't be a level playing field, especially, yeah, if there's a world, I only believe in ladders. Well, there's no equality in a ladder, so I can't let someone join my ladder. You know, it's, it's, uh, oh, I love that. that. I love that. Yeah, if if the, if all the world looks like a ladder, there's no equal. Yeah, there's no yeah. equality on a ladder. You're exactly yeah. right. And and to try and encourage folks to kind of look around and say like, look, look, look to the right, look to the left. There's there's not ladder over there. There's a different way of being, and it's it can be really challenging to describe, and it can sound kind of oovy groovy. And I know you've been you've been in the squabble with guys who are like, oh, try stop trying to make men be women, mm. and you're like, no, I'm trying to. I'm trying to have men be authentic and full. And that's, yeah. that's what I'm trying to do too. Let's be authentic and full and powerful um, in ways that don't take power away from other people. It's not a zero sum game. Right. Yeah. It There's should feel good to be a man, but it should yes. feel good to be maybe because, aha, I'm the man. I'm pummeling everyone. That's not me. <laughs> that's, that's right. not, you know, right. and, and right. people that it's, that's the distortion. And absolutely. Yeah. Cool. I love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's understandable that, that this distortion is prevalent because it's everywhere and it starts at a very young age. And I think that's one of the reasons that anti-feminist men believe in their stories is because they don't remember being three and four and making the trade-off. So it's just the way it's always been. And that's not true. Masculinity has not always been this way. You as a man have not always been this way. Men in the 14th century wore high heels and crazy wigs, right? It's like masculinity has not always been like this. Yeah, yeah. and it's like a traditionalist. Like everything's evolving and changing, and technology and the pace of change, et cetera, et cetera. But people that are focused on masculinity somehow think it. No, it's 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 the 1950s or it's the 1800s. It should it yeah. shouldn't change. Yeah. Which is yeah. just it's it's against nature, right? Right. And it's a little bit like, you know, what they're being asked, what those who are resisting this change are being asked to do is to step into a realm where they don't feel like they have any skills. And that's not true. Um, So what we have to do is say, here are some skills. Here's how to sit in a circle and say, I'm feeling, okay, I can't figure out what I'm feeling. Okay, let me help you. Is it mad, sad, glad, scared, excited? Uh, I think it's scared. Okay, great. Good. You're on your way. You're on your way off the ladder. Good job. So, you know, what can we do to hand more men a, a, a skill set so that they can feel more confident in this arena of collaboration, of vulnerability, of authenticity, and, and you know, enjoy that power? It can be really scary to step away from the ladder. We've been, you know, we were, re- I was reasonably successful on the ladder. Uh, and it, it was, it is scary to step off of, but I stepped off the ladder into a group of men and really, really supportive men. So I really encourage any men who are listening to, to find those groups, to find mankind project, to find human in the UK, sacred sons, you know, or start your own group, uh, of, of men that you trust to kind of make mistakes and have it be okay. Right. And that's a great point. It's not, it's not give up everything you think, you know, and be alone. It's not 
cha- uh, trade a different distortion of stoicism because that's the, the one of the biggest lies men tell themselves. Like, got it all figured out. I can do it myself. That's what makes me a man. And like, yeah, no, no it doesn't. No, no. And, you know, I, I want to encourage, you know, like I said, folks to check out men's groups. And, and one of the easiest ways these days is if you're on Clubhouse to join the Remaking Manhood Club. Um, Clubhouse, for those who don't know, is an audio only social media. You don't have to, nobody has to see your face. And every two weeks, we just do a really simple hour, hour and a half long audio only club. Starts at noon uh, Eastern daylight time. And we just kind of do some check-ins and kind of talk about our feelings. And it's it's kind of anonymous. Everybody sees your name, but there are people from Singapore and Japan and Kuwait and New York City and Arizona. And it's just a great way to practice these skills and to hear other men who are a little bit more, a little bit further away from the ladder practice those skills as well. Awesome. Awesome. You know, th- there's another phrase I saw uh, you talk about developing holistic leadership and use mental health, self-actualization, self-actualization and bold vulnerability. Yeah. And that made me and I, I tell a little story of when we first spoke, I, I was a little meet and greet before someone to, before deciding that they should be on the show. And I was telling you how much I was longing for connection. And right. that emotion was so like, I was, I started crying, telling a strange man via zoom how how pained I was and how much I'm like, I want to, I need connection. This is like hitting me. And um, so that made me think of bold vulnerability. But but also I think some guys are afraid of if I open myself up, I'm always crying. And as someone yeah. that's often crying, like that was the first time I've cried in like a, over a year. So you can be open and authentic and vulnerable and it it's not, it doesn't, it, it can end. There's also control right. in managing it. And and I innately knew that I was with a safe person. Mm. It wasn't going to call, oh, you freaking beta, get out of here. I don't want to be on your show. I, you know, I had no fear of that happening. So with that back, is, is that at all anything close to what you see as bold vulnerability? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for telling that story. Thanks for reminding me that, you know, it, it, it draws us closer when we show our true selves and our true selves are often emotional and raw, right? You, you've talked about how emotions are important. Emotions are just a signal that some need is either being met or unmet. That's all it is, yeah. right? Some basic need for connection, belonging, freedom, fun, safety, whatever. So it's just a signal. We don't have to put so much weight on it. Yep. Um, simply, yeah, it's it's our inner navigation system. Emotions are absolutely. our GPS. And if we've ignored directions all our life, we're not going to be in the moment listening to our GPS. No, no. And so vulnerability, you know, is one of those, it's, it's like a, it's like a really good GPS. Vulnerability is like a really good GPS because it provides all kind of information. But a lot of people imagine that vulnerability is really scary. Even Brené Brown, who's a huge proponent of vulnerability and thinks it's just the most amazing leadership tool and, and relationship tool. She talks about, well, I'm from Texas and I hate it. I hate being vulnerable, but I know that I have to do it. And I think there's even, I think we can dig even a little deeper and understand that vulnerability is where creativity lies. It's where connection lies. And vulnerability doesn't necessarily always mean crying about, you know, the fact that my father died when I was 10 years old. That's not what it means. It means being able to learn, being able to be curious, being able to listen, being able to get information from unlikely sources, our intuition, our spiritual selves, people who don't look like us. 
right? All of that is included in bold vulnerability. And, you know, just to tell a really specific story, if I have time, you know, I, I, I was a program director for a successful nonprofit. I got promoted to executive director, you know, the Peter principle of like getting promoted until you fail. Um, and, and I was failing as an executive director because I forgot all of these things I knew about vulnerability and connection and curiosity. And I was doing top-down leadership, power over, win-lose. I imagined that there was scarcity, you know, in the, in the organization because I was responsible for the budget now. And fortunately, my board caught it and said, you need to get some coaching because you're turning everybody else against you. Your program director is pissed off. The volunteers don't like being around you. And I didn't like it either. I was anxious. I was scared. I was angry at everybody all the time. I felt alone and martyred. If you feel martyred in your workplace, your family, that's a really good sign that you need to work on vulnerability and connection, mm-hmm. right? It's not those others. It's you. Yeah. So I got the coaching and, you know, got got some courage and bravery and went to my team and said, you know what, you guys have been fucking up. I've been, I've been treating you really badly. I've been treating you top down. I haven't been trusting you. I've been too scared to do this job properly and I need your help. And they came around. It was almost a group hug, Andy. Mm -hmm. They just, they just came around me and supported me and said, we're going to, we're going to do this together. We're going to fix this together. And we had just multiple years of amazing success but that wouldn't have happened. And especially if I had gone, if I had just sort of done the apology and not said, I need your help, it wouldn't have been as successful. Yeah. So asking for help is part of that bold vulnerability as well. Yeah. You have to say the, the bravest thing a man can do sometimes is ask for help. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and I'm still bravery, learning. I'm, st- I'm yeah. still learning. I have to, I have to remind myself, I want to be so brave and problem free in front of my wife and in front of my family. I always want, I don't want to make anybody else's life harder. And I get all stoic and doesn't matter how much my back hurts or how tired I am or how sick I am. I'm always like, hey, I got it. I got it until finally I just fall down. Um, so I have to learn that lesson over and over again. And that's okay. We make yeah. mistakes. Just keep learning. Yeah, I mean, to me, a big part of vulnerability is a willingness to be wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like, oh, oh I was yeah. wrong, great. Like, I again, I used to think life sucks, then you die. So I love discovering I was wrong. I, I, every, Oh, good, I was wrong about that for 20 years. Super, good. That was a horrible feeling. I'm glad I don't believe it anymore. I'm glad I was wrong. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. And be, and be, like you said, being wrong is just a sign that, that you're learning. Mm, I'm right. like, oh, good, I was wrong. Okay, I'm going to learn something new. Fantastic, here we go. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Back to evolution and the natural path mm. and the universe is expanding. So we must too. And I, I don't just mean waistlines, uh, but you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You know. I love that the universe is expanding. We must too. You got a t-shirt on that yet? <laughs> Not yet. Get some, no. get some merch, get some merch going. <laughs> cool. Awesome. So uh, I, I, I really appreciate uh, you giving us the time today, Charles, and, and getting to know you and talk about this more. And you shall definitely be back, talk about Ted Lasso or millions of other things. But yeah. in, in, until then, what, what's the best way for people to, to reach out to you to see all the, all the different things that you're up to? Great. Yeah. So check out the, the website, charlesmatthews.com, and that's C-H-A-R-L-E-S-M-A-T-H-E-U-S.com. And uh, you can find, you know, links to some of my videos and I go, I go for hikes and bring the camera along and talk about feelings and emotions and leadership and all that kind of stuff, just to, just as a good excuse to be outside. Uh, I would also love for more men to join the Redefining Strength Facebook group. So if you search Redefining Strength on Facebook and let's get in there and let's have these conversations and, you know, bring in tough questions, bring in, bring in whatever you got. Let's, let's talk about how we can 
find that strength and that power off of the ladder. Awesome. And then and then find us on find us on Clubhouse at the Remaking Manhood, uh, Remaking Manhood Clubhouse and the Remaking Manhood podcast. Super, super. Um, again, thanks for joining us, Charles. Thanks for listening, tuning in. Uh, wherever you're discovering real men feel, subscribe, share this with another man, uh, post a review, a comment, uh, reach out to me at realmenfeel at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. And when you're ready to get off the ladder, there are groups, there are individual coaches. That I, I, I've been through the Mankind pro- program and, and loved it. Um, yeah. It opened my eyes. It was the first thing I, I, I did. I think I counted it. I had done 40 personal growth, multiple day events before I did that, that weekend. That was the first and only time it was all with men. And it made such a difference. I was, yeah. I was astounded. I was really astounded, yeah. but yeah, you're, you're not yeah. in this I alone. Wish we, I, wish, so much yeah, I wish we had time to talk about why, why men's, why single gender work is, is really important, but I think, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Your return. Well, that yeah. Boysen back too. Boysen was on like two or three years ago, I think. Oh, yeah. he's, a, he's wonderful. He's so smart yeah. and sweet. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And Andy, thank you so much for what you're doing with this podcast and with your work and, and being bold and being vulnerable about bringing these, these, you know, issues outside of the mainstream to the fore. I really appreciate that. Yeah. We're, we're all human and too many men don't think they're allowed to be human. That That's yeah. really what started the show. So yeah. again, your emotions are meant to serve you. It's only when you deny them, lie about them, hide them, judge them. That's when they don't serve you. But, uh, right. Yeah, there's there's a better feeling place behind every so-called negative feeling. But you gotta be willing to feel it. Mm. Yeah. Well I'm awesome. I'm feeling I'm feeling satisfied and hopeful. Excellent. I'm feeling joyous and complete. Wonderful. Until next time, everyone, be good to yourselves.